You're listening to Tom Fitton's weekly update here on JW TalkNet. Hi everyone, Judicial Watch President Tom Fitton here with our weekly update here on social media. Thanks for joining us. The coup crisis continues. I'll give you an update on the latest machinations against the president, the Constitution, and you, the United States citizen. Also, new documents showing what the coup is about in the sense of a distraction to cover up from the corruption of the actual collusion targeting our election system by President Obama's administration and the deep state. Incredible documents showing State Department talking to Russia about, it looks like, President Trump. Unbelievable. Also, new documents at the Justice Department showing further collusion among some of the key figures targeting Trump, uh, Strzok, Page, and Bruce Orr. Plus, uh, new documents from uh, a controversy in Virginia about abortion. Uh, the governor of Virginia, you may recall, essentially endorsed infanticide. So we've got the documents about his response to the firestorm uh, on that issue. Uh, but first up, first up is the constitutional crisis caused by the outrageous abuse of power by the House Democrats, who have decided to abuse the power of impeachment to try to overthrow President Trump. And there was a vote this week on, I'm not quite sure what you would call it, uh, it certainly wasn't a, uh, an impeachment inquiry in the traditional sense of the word. It was a ratification of uh, what Adam Schiff has been doing. And uh, there are some pretend changes to the rules that supposedly will allow Republicans to participate a bit more directly in the proceedings. Uh, but nothing is changing, practically speaking. So whenever you hear someone call it an impeachment resolution or an impeachment inquiry, it really was a coup resolution because the rule of law was not upheld, due process was not given in any substantial way to the President of the United States, and uh, the secrecy and uh, the corruption will continue. You have to remember this whole coup conspiracy was, uh, uh, came out of this corrupt relationship between Adam Schiff, his office, and the leaker slash whistleblower, whose name is now out there, although we're not sure who he is exactly, so I won't give you his name. You can look it up online, uh, and you can see if it's true. He was nothing but an anti-Trumper who had worked at the White House, uh, associated with uh, Democrats, had been pushed out of the White House, allegedly, uh, for prior leaks, uh, smearing President Trump. So uh, if this same, it doesn't really matter if this is the guy or not, but we do know there was an illicit communication uh, between uh, the so-called whistleblower and Schiff's team. The Schiff was directly briefed on it, but he lied about his connections to this uh, person, lied about his communications to this person. Uh, but nevertheless, they went full throttle with a coup attack on President Trump. And they've been conducting hearings in secret. It's been reported this week, for instance, that certain questioning specifically about the leaker, who he was, who he would have been talking to, uh, trying to get information about that, was ruled out of order by Mr. Schiff. And that's putting a too fine a point on it. He actually pushed a, uh, said the witness didn't have to answer some of the questions. So uh, when you go and look at this resolution, um, there's going to be a lot of reporting on it, obviously, but you'll see nothing's changed. Uh, the, the Schiff secret process will continue. The president won't be able to present evidence, call witnesses. Uh, the Republicans won't be able to present evidence, call witnesses, although in theory they'll be able to, but only under the sufferance of Adam Schiff 
and his, uh, uh, his colleagues in the Democratic caucus. So this is the Schiff Empowerment Act as, it is, as much as it is an uh, impeachment inquiry. Because there's never been a precedent for having the head of the Intelligence Committee conduct uh, this impeachment effort. Uh, it didn't happen under Clinton. It didn't happen under Nixon. In fact, the Select Committee on Intelligence, think about that, Select Committee on Intelligence, it's not, it's not a standing committee of the House. So there's all sorts of irre irregularities associated with uh, this unprecedented harassment of President Trump. And uh, again, there is no good faith basis to even investigate what went on with President Trump in Ukraine. The transcript's been out there. To the degree we've been hearing witnesses, it's all witnesses whining, literally whining, about policy differences they had with the President of the United States. For instance, this uh, Colonel, uh, is it Vindman? He testified that he was concerned that there was activity going on that, that was undermining the interagency consensus, inter consensus on Ukraine. As if the, quote, deep state consensus on Ukraine overrides the prerogatives of the President of the United States. You see the ambassador complaining about Rudy Giuliani raising questions of corruption as, as, it, as it relates to Ukraine. Evidently, the deep state bureaucracy didn't want corruption being raised as an excuse to prevent Ukraine from uh, getting access to weapons from the United States. Well, the president has every right to raise those issues. The president's transcript was straightforward. There's testimony by another official who said he didn't see anything wrong with it. There's no basis for impeachment. This is just the latest version of impeachment from uh, the House Democrats. They were committed to doing this from the beginning. I remember I testified uh, to, um, I think in 2017, so it was right after the Democrats got into office. Uh, Elijah Cummings, who passed away, God rest his soul, was conducting a hearing on FOIA and I think transparency. So I was up there uh, testifying and uh, I'm sitting there listening to the Democrats and one of the panelists on the, on the, uh, 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 for the hearing talking about you know, throwing President Trump out of office, calling him a traitor. I don't remember if impeachment came up specifically, but certainly it was the subtext of everything the Democrats was at, were asking about. This was two months after the president took office. So they thought the Mueller report would result in impeachment, but obviously that didn't work out because Mueller confirmed, as every other investigation has confirmed and as everyone knew for two years, yet continued to harass the president, that no Americans knowingly involved themselves with the Russians to interfere in our election campaign. But we do know, using that specious reason, the Obama administration, a deep state, spied on the Trump campaign and President Trump. So when the president's talking to the president of Ukraine, that's the issue he's worried about. Why did this corruption take place and what was Ukraine's involvement in it? And are they investigating what went on? And he had every right to ask about Biden to see that the, the full truth was being found there. 
because there was a lot of corruption associated with Biden's interaction with Ukraine and his son Hunter. And despite what you heard, those are still serious allegations. We're investigating them. Biden's admitted that he withheld a billion dollars in aid or wanted to or threatened to in exchange for getting this prosecutor fired, who coincidentally was investigating his son's company in Ukraine. This is why the coup is taking place. You had the Justice Department, for instance, just two weeks ago, or the week before last, confirm that there's evidence of criminal activity in the targeting of President Trump. And look, when you're talking about who might be responsible for that criminal activity, it's not a typist in the FBI. It's not a records clerk in the Justice Department. It is the senior leadership who took it upon themselves to spy on and target the President of the United States with the direct authorization and participation of Barack Obama, then President. So when there are issues about, uh, well, the Justice Department's conclusion that there's enough evidence to launch a criminal inquiry, so there's evidence of criminal activity, who would they be focusing on? Necessarily. Biden, Obama, Rice, Clapper, Brennan, Strzok, Page, Lynch, Susan Rice, Hillary Clinton, the Democratic National Committee, yes, the Democratic National Committee, Christopher Steele, Fusion GPS, Stephen Halper, the spy who was working for the Obama gang to target Trump. And of course, you know who they were all coordinating with? People like Adam Schiff. He's conflicted in more ways than I can count from investigating anything related to President Trump. Given his demonstrated record of leaks, lies, and unethical conduct as it relates to the targeting of Trump. This is what the coup's about. We've got criminal activity confirmed by the Justice Department, or at least enough evidence of criminal activity to warrant a criminal investigation. And what is, it, what is the deep state corrupt group doing in the House? Targeting Trump. And as I said last week, you get the State Department bureaucracy basically running over themselves to go in and complain about Trump for being president. That's right, for being president. They're trying to impeach the president for exercising a core constitutional duty he has an obligation to exercise, A, in conducting foreign policy, and B, in making sure the laws are being faithfully executed and enforced. This is a coup. And, you know, the, Demo the Republicans are right to complain about the process because there's no due process here. The Democrats and their, and their echo chamber in the media would have you believe that, oh, impeachment is a constitutional process, so, so everything falls in the face of impeachment. Well, that's not true. The rest of the Constitution does not collapse when the House conducts an impeachment inquiry. Due process needs to be followed. The civil rights of the president need to be protected. The executive branch's prerogatives under the, uh, under the Constitution also need to be protected. Classified information needs to be protected. Grand jury material needs to be protected. 
the civil rights of people being dragged in and hauled in before the star chamber proceeding, they need to be protected. And more broadly, our Republican form of government needs to be protected. The Constitution does not take a holiday during impeachment. And now that there's been a ratification of this, it doesn't make it any more legal. It doesn't make it any more constitutional. It doesn't make it any less abusive. You can put lipstick on a pig and it's still a coup. So what next? Well, nothing's changing in the sense that Schiff will continue his star chamber proceedings. Nothing's changing there. And I'm glad to see the Senate is beginning. And I think thanks to Judicial Watch. I really do think that Judicial Watch deserves a lot of credit here because we were the first ones, if you may recall, to highlight the fact there is no constitutional requirement for the Senate to conduct an impeachment trial. And certainly in this circumstance, I can't think of a better reason not to conduct an impeachment trial. We've got the President of the United States being viciously harassed through, as I say, this coup effort. Why would the Senate endorse that harassment by committing to a trial? This is what I said, and I want to read what I said specifically. The Senate should rule out a trial on any so excuse me, the Senate should rule out a trial on any so-called impeachment arising from the Pelosi Schiff coup attack on President Trump. Again, the Senate should rule out a trial because the way things are going, they really can't fairly have a trial. It would welcome uh, to give a to put a to put the president on trial in response to this garbage impeachment would do do so much to damage the Constitution and our republic. They should just say no. And I tell you, by saying no now, it may nip this thing in the bud. Because despite what you hear, it was a close vote. Obviously, uh, it was a very partisan vote in the sense that only two Democrats didn't sign on to the coup. My guess is Nancy Pelosi thinks she has the votes for a coup later or impeachment. But if the Senate says there's going to be no trial, there may be some Democrats who think, what have we done? What are we doing here? What are we doing here? We're just going to do this out this crazy impeachment. There's going to be no trial. Well, that that obviously looks like a stunt. Of course, of course, it is a stunt, but a terribly abusive one that tears at the fabric of our constitutional system. So I would encourage you to not only call your members of Congress, and I, I can't emphasize this enough. Many of you, and I've, I've previously highlighted the, uh, your right to petition your government. <laughs> you know, we often ask, what can we do? What can we do? Well, you know, the Constitution tells you what you can do in some ways. You've got a right to petition your government. It's a core constitutional right under the First Amendment. Are you exercising it? And you may say, well, my member of Congress doesn't agree with me on any of these issues. Oh, don't worry about that. Just call and respectfully tell them what you think about what's happening. Call your members in the House. 
call your senators and raise the issues that you think need to be raised. And believe me, even if they don't agree with you, your calling them may temper their approach, may change minds. Believe me, Democrats and Republicans, and this goes for those of you who are liberals, you think, well, I'm not gonna call a Republican. Look, you, they hear from voters, they hear from constituents, and they may say publicly, I'm in favor of this, but behind the scenes, they may be going to their leadership, you know what? You know how I'm gonna vote if you make me vote on this, but I don't wanna vote on it because I've got my constituents going crazy about it. It really impacts the behind the scenes deliberations, even for those politicians you think uh, don't wanna hear from you. So call your senators, call your house members. The number to call is 202-224-3121. That's 202-224-3121. Write letters, send them emails, write letters to the editor, share the information you're learning from me and Judicial Watch generally with other members of your family, with your friends, with your colleagues. You know, your, your markets, your social circles, your business circles, your church community. I mean, this is all hands on deck, folks. I was complaining the other day. I don't understand. I talked about this first on the update last week. I don't understand why the White House and the Justice Department have dropped, essentially dropped vir uh, virtually all their legal defenses around the presidency. All these witnesses are testifying in ways that I think violate presidential uh, privileges and, and, and the protections on classified information. I don't understand why there's no objection, at least going to court to object. The Senate needs to take action. The House, obviously the House Republicans, you know, they can only do so much other than try to educate Americans about what's going on. But you, dear citizen, need to take action as well. And uh, you could support Judicial Watch, dare I say it, but also be personally active in communicating with your elected officials and those around you. So th this, this coup isn't going away. And if they get away with it, in the sense of having an impeachment voted on out of the House, uh, all bets are off for the future of the Republic, in my view. You know, because that, 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 that crossing the Rubicon in terms of abuse of impeachment of targeting the President of the United States will have been committed and there'll be no going back. And the stability of our country will be forever shaken because every president here on in can be subject to impeachment and potential removal depending on how the numbers are based on nothing. But partisan and corrupt animus targeting the president, not because the president did anything wrong. They've never accepted President Trump as president, and from the moment he was put in office, actually before then, he's been, he's been undermined uh, both illegally and otherwise. Look, his political opponents play politics. I understand that. His political supporters play politics. I understand that. But we've got to protect the rule of law. And Judicial Watch is the referee, and we're blowing the whistle. 
about this unprecedented attack on the presidency. So, um, you know, this endorsement of the abusive process that rolls over the rights of the president undermines the rule of law. It's a coup attack that was corruptly formed and is being corruptly pursued. And the citizens have got to try to put a stop to it. And as I, as I was beginning to say, the Senate is, I think, standing up. You see Mitch McConnell saying this process is still unfair. And I, you know, Mitch McConnell is a cautious, cautious, cautious politician. And we've been critical of him for being cautious. But if you watch him for a long time, you know he seems to be setting up the Senate to stop this coup, as I say, in its cradle. So we got to keep on pushing for the truth. And what Judicial Watch is going to do is that we're going to keep on suing for the truth, suing for the accountability, getting the documents out about the real corruption, the biggest corruption scandal in American history, which is the illegal targeting of President Trump, candidate Trump, by the Obama administration and the deep state. And this is one element of it. This is the continuing coup that's being, that's metastasized into the sham impeachment of the President of the United States. And uh, we're doing our darndest to get the word out about the threat to the rule of law, but also doing the heavy lifting that Congress refuses to do, that the Justice Department kind of has been opposing us on. And certainly the media is just uh, coup crazy now. They just want to get Trump. They're just media advocates. They're just liberal advocacy groups that sometimes do journalism, but mostly are uh, just pushing this coup agenda against the president. So Judicial Watch is carrying a huge weight on our shoulders because of the failures of the other agencies of government and other civic areas of um, our nation's um, civil society that are dropping the ball on keeping the government to account, but Judicial Watch is doing it. And uh, to that end, we have about as startling a group of documents as you'll ever hear about from Judicial Watch. I'll read the headline. Documents reveal Obama State Department official in contact with Russian embassy, quote, political chief, one month before Trump inauguration. So these are State Department documents that we received in response to a request. And this is the important part about this request. It wasn't a request, oh, just give us documents about what this uh, one official was up to. We wanted to know specifically the following. All records and communications between State Department officials, including John Kerry, Clinton, Victoria Nuland, who was a top uh, Europe official, on the one hand, and British national Christopher Steele and or employees and contra contractors of Steele's company, Orbis Business Intelligence, on the other hand. All records and or memoranda provided by Christopher Steele or his firm Orbis to State Department officials. All records in the custody of the State Department retained to the provision of documents to British national Steele and his firm. and all records created by Jonathan Weiner relating to research compiled by Christopher Steele. Well, who's Jonathan Weiner? Well, Jonathan Weiner was the Libya guy for John Kerry, very close to John Kerry. And we have a ton of documents that show that Weiner was a close friend of Christopher Steele, compatriot of him, 
had a long working relationship with him, was helping him actually set up meetings while he was at the State Department, was also in communication with him about his dossier. Remember, Christopher Steele, part of the Clinton Fusion GPS spy ring. Weiner wrote an op-ed in the Washington Post, which I printed out but didn't bring with me to read to you, but you can look it up. Search for Jonathan Weiner and Christopher Steele, it will pop up. And he admits to compiling records against President Trump and sharing them with State Department. He was helping write the dossier, talking to Clinton officials, uh, campaign people, and associates about Russia dirt. And now we have documents that show that Steele, excuse me, that Jonathan Weiner was in communications with the Russian political chief at the embassy for Russia a month before the uh, inauguration of President Trump. Can you believe it? And that's not even the most, that, there's even worse material. Well, I don't know if it's worse. It shows that they were in contact again with Steny Hoyer's office. Who's Steny Hoyer? He is the number two in the House Democrat caucus. You got Nancy Pelosi, and then you got Steny Hoyer. So you got Victoria Newland collaborating with Steny Hoyer on Russia, and you've got Anthony Weiner collaborating with Russia on Trump targeting. So it's, why, is the, why is the nature of the request important? Because we were asking about steel material. We we're asking about Russiagate documents. And the responsive documents was this communication with the Russian. Russian Embassy in Washington, D.C. It was a 10-minute call on December 23rd, just before Christmas, 2016, 28 days before the inauguration of Donald Trump. It was a phone call with Alexei Vladimirovich Skosarev, the political chief at the Russian Embassy. And, he's taught, and he then sends the email around, and I have the email here. I'll show you what it looks like. Skosarev is, the, uh, again, the Russian he was talking to. And you see this white material here? Okay, you've got some print. Got some white material there. And then there's a full readout here. You know what the full readout is? It's redacted. You know why it's redacted? Because it's classified. So you have classified communications with the Russians about something related to Russiagate. They were obviously trying to get Trump. I don't know how else you would interpret this document because it's responsive to the Christopher Steele request. And he's sharing it with uh, Victoria Newland and other top officials at the State Department. By the way, it was sent on unclassified systems, so you've got a BlackBerry being used to send classified information, so scandal on top of scandal. And the other big document is the Steny Hoyer document between Victoria Nuland, who was orchestrating a lot of this Russiagate smearing of President Trump, and this is Steny Hoyer's national security advisor, Toria. 
sending her sending the email to Victoria Newland on the date is November 28th. It was a delight to speak today, notwithstanding the context. You've been a warrior on these issues, and I look forward to speaking further to preserve and wherever possible strengthen the important work you have done. I fo I'll follow up regarding a possible working group meeting. Huh. All about Russiagate. Thanks, Daniel. And this is the response. I look forward to continuing our collaboration in whatever capacity life brings. Copied here is Jonathan Weiner, who has some legal ideas that may be of interest to you and Congressman Hoyer. And then he writes back, the national security official for Hoyer, Daniel Silverberg, writes back, great, Jonathan, I'm all ears. Do you think Steny Hoyer should be questioned about what he was getting from Jonathan Weiner, the Christopher Steele? Well, essentially personal representative, it looks like, at the State Department. Will Jonathan Weiner be asked about his communications with Russia targeting Trump and what he talked about with the political chief? The political chief at the, at the Russian embassy. That's Russia intelligence, guys. So the same State Department that's whining, that's whining about President Trump demanding accountability from Ukraine. I haven't heard any whistleblowers talking about them undermining the incoming president of the United States by colluding and collaborating with Russia. Have you? Judicial Watch is doing a whistleblowing here. This is unbelievable material. We've got proof the Obama State Department was colluding with Russia against President Trump, even before he was inaugurated. Of course, we already had proof they were colluding against President Trump. Remember the documents that we have showing that this same State Department, Victoria Nuland, John the Weiner, all these others, were talking to Hoyer. We're talking to Democrats in the Hill, shoveling classified information in the weeks after President Trump was elected to the House and the Senate. And it wasn't because they were conducting oversight. It's because they wanted to get Trump. They said at the one, in the one email that we have uncovered, they say, remember the urgency of this. The urgency was the president getting inaugurated. And then I think the day before the inauguration or whatever, someone sends an email out about all this material going out. And he says, we made the deadline. What was the deadline? The inauguration of the president of the United States. If this material out of the Obamacare State Department which was classified, was being shared in an appropriate way, it wouldn't matter if Trump was president or not. It would have been done in the ordinary course. This is why the coup is occurring, folks, because they don't want you, and they want the Justice Department to investigate this. This is why the president and the Republicans are being denied basic due process rights. Because they don't want to bring in people like Jonathan Weiner. They don't want to bring in the whistleblower, who obviously has an, a hit, uh, an agenda against President uh, Trump. They, want to, they don't want to bring in John Kerry. They don't want to bring in Christopher Steele. They don't want to bring in Joe Biden or Hunter Biden. It's a protection racket. It's an effort to obstruct justice. 
But you know what? It's not obstructing Judicial Watch because Judicial Watch is just in court doing what we do best, suing for records that the government's refusing to give us and wants to cover up and getting them. And we've uncovered smoking gun records showing collusion with the House Democrats on Russiagate and collusion with the Russians targeting Trump on Russiagate. You know, I, t I tell you, I don't use this word lightly, but when I see what's going on with President Trump, with all the deep state bureaucrats rushing to uh, mischaracterize his work, oppose his agenda, not in a lawful political way, but just to resist it because they think they know better and that the bureaucrats have more power than the president. And when I see individuals like this colluding with foreign governments, to undermine President Trump, even before he's inaugurated. You know what word comes to mind? Sedition. This is a malicious, seditious conspiracy against President Trump. It began before he was elected, before, well, in many ways before he was elected. But remember the insurance policy. It's in sedition. And the conspiracy went into overdrive when he was elected. We have the documents showing this. We have new documents. I've been printing out the documents so you can read the headlines with me here. Judicial Watch obtains records showing contact between Treater Strzok, Bruce Orr, and Lisa Page that the DOJ claimed it couldn't find. This is a classic. So Bruce Orr testifies that he talked to Peter Strzok. We asked for documents about what they talked about. We asked for the documents. And the Justice Department comes back and says, we can't find them. And we said, well, you should look harder. Because he testified about it. And obviously, given Orr and Strzok's roles, they obviously would have been in communication with us. So the Justice Department says they can't find these records, and they come back to us after we sue in court because we said we didn't believe them. And they give us the documents. And of course, they are in communication with each other. And when are they in communication with each other? Right after the president is elected to the presidency. The interregnum. The end of the Obama administration and the period just before President Trump came to office. Former FBI lawyer Lisa Page arranges a November 21st, 2016 meeting from 4.30 to 5 p.m. at FBI headquarters. Again, this is after the election. Required attendees or struck an FBI Deputy Assistant Director for Counterintelligence, Jonathan Maffa. It's obviously about Russia. Again, another meeting. Or attempting directly to arrange a meeting with Page himself and Bruce Swartz, who is head of the criminal division. At the, then head of, the, head of the criminal division. I guess he's not there anymore. Or writes to Strzok and Page under the subject, um, and the subject of the email is meeting with Swartz. Thanks again for taking the time to chat today. As I mentioned, I would like to set up a short meeting with us and Bruce Swartz. Would next Monday at 5.30 p.m. work? Also, is there any chance you guys could come over to our building? 
Well, you have to remember the context here is that at the same time Orr is meeting with Steele and the FBI and sharing dirt on Trump that he's getting from Fusion GPS and his wife who worked there. I'll tell you, it is a patent place over at the Justice Department and the FBI in terms of the conflicts. And of course, you got Page and Strzok having an adulterous relationship. Which, which, which doesn't get enough attention in the sense everyone laughs about it. And I guess, you know, you know, it's always a kind of a sad, tragic situation when you have adultery like that. But it's a major corruption issue because Paige is a senior lawyer working for the number two in the FBI. Her paramour, Strzok, is a senior counterintelligence official. As a lawyer, she's supposed to be providing disinterested advice on behalf of the American people who she works for on legal issues that come across the desk of her boss, Andrew McCabe, and her colleague, Peter Strzok. How on earth can you provide disinterested legal advice to your adulterous lover? It corrupted everything they were involved in, guys. Corrupted everything they were involved in. And then add to the combustion, you have Bruce Orr working on behalf of his wife, who had been paid by Fusion GPS, who was also paid by the Clinton and DNC gang. And talking to Christopher Steele, who had been hired and then fired by the FBI. What, what an ethical mess. No wonder Durham found evidence of criminal activity in the targeting of President Trump. People say, does Durham know these documents, know about these documents? I don't know. Sometimes I wonder if they do know, if one hand knows what the other is doing at the Justice Department. But these are the sorts of documents he's going to want to look at. These are the bad guys. And if the bad guys are meeting, you know, those are the sorts of things you look at if you're trying to prove a conspiracy. So this is just tremendous information that Judicial Watch just gets. And I have to say, you know, our lawyers do the heavy lifting here. Our investigative team do the heavy lifting. But we can't do it without your support. So when we get this groundbreaking, history-making material, because even though the media doesn't want to cover it, it's still history-making. Because we're proving that the, uh, the corruption and documenting the corruption behind the worst corruption scandal in American history. And whether anyone goes to jail over it is one thing, but at least publicly we're holding these people accountable. And they can't escape the truth. And we only do it with your support. So this is again, this is what the coup is this is what the coup is about. The coup is about stopping the Justice Department and stopping the American people from focusing on the true corruption involved in the targeting of President Trump. And I'll say it once and I'll say it again. President Trump, the President of the United States, is a crime victim. He was victimized by this gang I'm talking about, and he's being victimized right now by this abuse of power in this conspiracy against them being led by Adam Schiff and Nancy Pelosi.
Next up, an interesting story. Judicial Watch, does, the swamp isn't just in Washington, D.C. And those of you watching from other parts of the country, you know the swamp is all over the country. Swamp ways of local governments and state governments uh, are just as corrupt as they are here in D.C. And, uh, and an evidence of that, excuse me, is the uh, Commonwealth of Virginia, the Governor Ralph Northam, who was, he's a controversial guy for a number of reasons. A, he made statements seemingly in support of infanticide, and B, he had that awful issue of um, him being, uh, having a picture of him, I get confused because all these leftists have been caught wearing blackface or Ku Klux Klan outfits and things like that. Um, so he had that issue of being caught in a picture, either in a Klan outfit or blackface or something like that. I mean, it's just so absurd that even I don't follow it as closely as I might otherwise follow it. But, um, you know, and I'm not going to get into the double standards. If a conservative was caught in similar pictures, what would happen to him? He's still governor of Virginia. But uh, he said on a news interview uh, to WTOP Radio, which is the big radio station, news radio station um, here in Washington, D.C., and they have a regular interview program with the governor of Virginia because the governor of Virginia is a local politician here. And he's, at, he's quoted as saying to WTOP Radio, if a mother is in labor, I can tell you exactly what would happen. The infant would be delivered. That infant would be kept comfortable. The infant would be resuscitated if that's what the mother and father desires. And then a discussion would ensue between the, uh, the physicians and the mother. And that was essentially uh, an endorsement of infanticide when you look at the context of uh, the question and what he was asked about. Now, the media is pretending he wasn't endorsing infanticide. In fact, he was. It's, it, it, it can... I'm probably not the first person who's told you about this. You probably have seen the video already yourself. But what's interesting about it is who was helping him respond to the firestorm in response and the public outrage in response to his comments? Surprise, surprise, Planned Parenthood, which is the nation's largest uh, abortion group. They do the most abortions. They do hundreds of thousands of abortions a year, I think. Uh, there's heavily subsidized by the federal government, or at least had been before President Trump made some changes. I'm not sure the status of those changes. And the documents we received, uh, because we asked, and I, this is, the FOIA is worth recounting because it shows you just how awful um, in terms of ethics and controversy the governor is. Uh, we asked uh, for records of communications for Northam and members of the staff related to abortions, abortion, women's reproductive health, and or Virginia House Bill 2491 which also famously was seen to endorse abortion up through the ninth month of pregnancy, even afterwards. Judicial Watch likewise requested communications uh, of records between Northam and his staff with Virginia State Representative Kathy Tran, who was the uh, author of that controversial bill and her staff, also requested were communications of records between Northam and staff and employees and representatives of Planned Parenthood and or Emily's list. We also sought records in the communications of the staff related to abortion, blackface, the Ku Klux Klan, 
and or the possible resignation of Mr. Northam. It's not every day that we can have a credible Freedom of Information Act request to a politician about black, blackface and the Ku Klux Klan, but that's what has been wrought in uh, Virginia, thanks to Governor Northam. So the documents show that um, Alexis Rogers, a former policy director in the office of Lieutenant Governor, used a, uh, a Planned Parenthood Association of Virginia organization account. So she's a former employee, and she evidently took the lead in providing talking points for the governor in response to the controversy. And her suggested talking points include the following. There is no such thing as abortion up until birth. That's false. Making a decision about whether to continue a pregnancy is a complex and personal decision. Politicians have no place in this process. As a physician, I know how important it is to trust my patients or my patients to trust me. There are complicated medical decisions that families deserve to make in private without political interference. So, I mean, three of those points are debatable, but to say there is no such thing as abortion up until birth is absolutely false. It's not true. There's a small number of abortions. I don't know what you think, but I think any number of abortions close to birth is wildly outrageous. Don't get me started. The talking points are, Roger, is also a tricky Q&A. I love this section. If possible, answer on background, not for attribution. If a woman is in labor, she couldn't and wouldn't have an abortion. That's not true. And that politicians and pro-life groups were characterizing safe legal abortion in a completely inaccurate and misleading way. So this is the big debate about abortion. The left would have you believe that abortion is only done in the first part of pregnancy, and it's only done for weighty reasons. Well, that's not really true. You can get an abortion at any time through pre during pregnancy as long as a doctor will do it and certify it. Did you hear me? You can get an abortion through the entire length of pregnancy, and some bills are suggesting you should be able to, uh, well, there's an opposition to even protecting unborn children who survive abortions. So yes, abortion even after birth. If that's not murder, I don't know what would be. So you have the pro-life, uh, excuse me, you have Planned Parenthood writing the talking points for this governor who essentially endorsed infanticide. And uh, again, this is a big deal. And why is Judicial Watch getting the information, the only entity in the world getting information on one of the biggest political controversies as it relates to abortion in the last few years? And again, this is in the States. This is in Virginia, and it shows you that you can't just pretend, or you shouldn't, I, and, I, I, and I know many of you viewers don't pretend this, so I shouldn't say that. But Judicial Watch certainly is aware that there's corruption in your state. And we can't be everywhere, but we pursue corruption where we can in the states. And we're uncovering the truth about a radical special interest group helping the governor of one of the most important states in the country, Virginia, mislead its citizens and the American people about the, one of the most controversial issues of the day, abortion. And again, it's Judicial Watch that uncovered it. And we can't do it, as I say, we can't do any of our work to protect the Constitution, defend your right to know, 
vindicate your right to know and hold government officials accountable to the rule of law without your support. So if you're not supporting Judicial Watch, you should be. And if you already are, thank you and consider supporting us further because there's going to be a lot more work to do. We're in the middle of a constitutional crisis. There's a coup attack on the President of the United States, an attack that is targeting not only the President, but the Constitution, our Republican form of government, and all U.S. citizens who think they have the right to decide who's President, as opposed to a kookaball, a seditious, malicious conspiracy here in Washington, D.C. And Judicial Watchers are going to back down. We're going to do everything we can within the law to educate people about what the truth is and hold the government accountable for this terrible misconduct. And we do that, again, with your support. And I hope you continue to support us. And we've got more coming. I, uh, I tell you, everything is just, it's, we're like a busy airport here at Judicial Watch. We have all these planes ready to take off and land, and there are lawsuits and documents coming and going. So I'll tell you more about that next week. Have a wonderful weekend, and I'll see you next time here on the Judicial Watch Weekly Update. You have just listened to Tom Fitton's weekly update on JW TalkNet. Remember to subscribe and donate at judicialwatch.org slash donate.